Welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope this message from our Nelson City location pastor, Shannon Johnson, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning and welcome. How are we doing this morning? Give me a wave if you are doing well. If you're happy to be here, got a smile on the dial. And if it, even if it's not on the dial, it's on the gauge of your heart. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, well, it's so good to have you all here this morning. Uh, my name's Shannon. And uh, as always, I gotta say, I think you've made the most spectacular and superb decision to be here this morning. Uh, in, I don't know, what would you call this? At church or in God's living room, I don't know, however you want to frame it, it's uh, fantastic to have you here, and uh, we're going to have a great morning this morning. As Viv said, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who did get here early um, to prepare the room for us. So nice, isn't it, coming into a space that's warm and set up and ready for us. So can we just put our hands together and just like thank and honour everyone who um, does sacrifice their sleep-ins to be here even on their birthday. Paul, thank you so much. It's okay? Excellent. We're glad it's okay, but also thank you so much for that. Well, uh, we're on a bit of a journey at the moment, aren't we? At the start of the year, we launched into this theme called Following Jesus. And on the surface, it kind of seemed like a little bit of like, oh, is that a step backwards? (laughs) You know, haven't we covered that already? But no, we decided that actually it wasn't a step backwards. It's really the only step that we ever need to take in our spiritual journey. I was kind of thinking of the picture of like, have you, you know those flashlights uh, where you can adjust the breadth or the narrowness of the beam? It's kind of like that. You, you can um, have the beam go out wide and it's the same amount of light and it illuminates kind of a big area, but not really that well. You can see a lot, but it, you can't see it as good as you could. But when you narrow that beam, you concentrate all of the light and all of the focus on your vision. And what you point that torch at is illuminated in a way that is brighter and more vivid than if you tried to illuminate more with the same amount of light. And I reckon this theme's kind of like that. It's that idea of there's so many stuff we could talk about. There's so much stuff that we could illuminate. And it's not even bad stuff, but we're like, you know what? We know that in all of the realm of the good stuff, there is one thing that is the greatest of stuff, and that is Jesus. And so we just decided in the season over the next couple of years to really bring the beam of focus down and focus on who is Jesus and how in this season can we afresh know what it is to be followers of Jesus today, whether we're new on the journey or we've been on the journey our whole life. And so we launched into this, uh, I guess, this idea of like, Okay, so we're followers of Jesus, and we're undergoing this process of spiritual formation, talking about the idea of every single day we're constantly being formed. You can't avoid it. We're going through decisions and experiences, and we're rubbing up against our own choices, but also things that are external to us. And throughout this whole process, we're being formed into something. The question is not, are you being formed? The question is, into what or into whose likeness are you being formed? And just this realisation afresh that as followers of Jesus, is our desire to not be formed into the image or the shape of the world around us, 
but to continually be shaped and formed into the likeness of Jesus. To be a follower of Jesus is to be someone who spends time with Jesus, who increasingly looks like Jesus, and who increasingly lives their life like Jesus lived his life. And so we're talking about this idea of spiritual formation and the idea that it's not a superficial or shallow work, is it? But rather, it's a deep work. It's not a work we do at the start of our spiritual journey, then tick off. But actually, it's a journey that takes us every single day of our life. If we step out of the formational experience half a day before we breathe our last breath, we left the experience half a day before the process was finished. So we're talking about that, spiritual formation. And that obviously starts to raise some questions, doesn't it? Like, all right, so how does the process happen? How does spiritual formation actually take place? How does the Holy Spirit actually transform our hearts and thus our lives? Uh, In this process of spiritual transformation, how much of it is God's responsibility versus how much of it is my responsibility? What do I have to do to interact with it? How can I interact with it? Versus what is not my responsibility and what does God do within me? And so that leads into our next part of this theme where we're starting to explore this idea of practicing the way. So over the next couple of months, we're going to be looking at a series of spiritual practices. Um, Some people call them uh, spiritual disciplines. Other people call them... uh, sacred rhythms. There's a whole lot of different ways of framing these things, but we're going to look at the practices that Jesus both uh, engaged in and endorsed through the lens of the New Testament. Because if we want to be followers of Jesus, then it only makes sense that we would look to what Jesus did and what Jesus promoted and sculpt the majority of our life, our time and our energy and our focus around the activities that Jesus did. And so, We are embarking on this theme of practicing the way. And what we're going to do is over 12 weeks, starting next Sunday, over 12 weeks, we're just going to unpack some of the practices that Jesus engaged in and endorsed through the lens of the New Testament in the hope that we can not be like, oh yeah, I'm following Jesus, but I don't really know what it looks like. But actually through examining the scriptures, we can find a clear path and concrete steps to walk in his steps as followers of the way as followers of Jesus Christ. So I've handed out, you've got, little, you've got show notes um, for the morning because this morning, before we launch into the practices, I thought there was a couple of conversations we should have so we know how to engage in this process well. Because I think it's human nature for us when we start to hear a list of things that we could do to think, oh, I don't need more stuff in my life. Does Shannon and God not know how busy I already am? (laughs) Yeah, I know, he knows. But it's really important as we embark on this journey that we realize these lists of things are not should-dos or ought-tos, but rather it's a list of things that through prayerful examination and, I guess, experiential uh, exploration, we can actually ask the question of ourselves, which of these practices bring us into a greater awareness and sensitivity of the Holy Spirit in our life, His presence, and also the purposes of God in and through every part of our life. Last week, uh, we talked about the idea of the easy yoke. 
at any stage, if we feel like this list of practices, the list of the ways is a burden, we just need to remind ourselves of the character and the nature of God, who said, all who are burdened and heavy laden, come to me, for my burden is light and my yoke is easy, and you will find rest for my soul. These practices aren't supposed to weigh us down. They're supposed to be a path that helps us find peace for our soul by giving up practices that actually don't bring peace and swapping them, not stacking them, but swapping them for the practices that lead to life in the fullest measure that Christ walked in, John 10.10. So that was last week. We talked about the secret of the easy yoke. And today we're going to talk about this idea of a rule of life. Because as we hear these practices, and as we go out throughout the process, the question is, how do we incorporate these practices into our life? As we look to be people that spend time with Jesus, that look like Jesus, and that live our lives like Jesus. So, a rule of life. What is a rule of life? Some of you might have heard the term before, others may have never heard the term before, but if you Googled it, you would find out that a rule of life is actually something that is rich in Christian history. In fact, it dates back to the sixth century when there was this guy called Benedict. Um, I don't know if that was his first name or his last name, um, but I do know that I am Mr. Johnston, but he was Saint Benedict. Um, I don't know how you become a saint. Um, I wanna put my name down on that line. Yeah, I think you have to die first, don't you? So I'm not ready to be a saint yet, I think. Uh, <laughs> oh, goodness me. <laughs> I'm a work in progress, aren't we all? But um, St. Ben- Benedict, he was a monk, and he, he coined this idea. It wasn't known as a rule of life back then, but it, he created this thing for all the monks at the time in the monastic tradition of really just a list of practices and rhythms that the monks could engage in to help them express their lives uh, accordingly with the decision they'd made. And so over time, this idea of the rule of life, uh, rule of St. Benedict became known as the rule of life. And uh, obviously, you know, we're not here today. This isn't uh, sign up for monk class. Uh, (laughs) That's not really the expression we're going after. Uh, But I think the idea is still just as important for us because this idea of a rule of life, that word rule back then, it came from the Latin uh, uh, word regular, which really just uh, referred to rhythms of life, regular routines of life, uh, ways of living in terms of like a certain standard of expression um, so that if you lived that way, you knew that you were actually living in accordance of um, the monastic tradition. And I think that actually that's super important for you and I as well. You know, we're not trying to be monks, um, but we are trying to be followers of Jesus. So in the same way they had a rule to follow rhythms and routines, I think it's so important that we know what it is to have rhythms and routines in our own life that help us walk the way. Um, Here is a quote by John Mark Comer. He's an author. Uh, You might have heard of the book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. If you're looking for, this is this book, by the way, if you haven't heard of it, you have now. Uh, We've actually got a few copies of this book. And if you're looking for some resource to engage in as we explore uh, down this theme, uh, this would be a great resource uh, to read. 
If you were going to read one book this year, this would be a great one to read. Uh, or if you are an avid reader and want to add a 50th book to your list, you could uh, read this one here. So we're actually, we've got a few copies of this uh, just out at the... Uh, tea and coffee bar, and you can purchase this, I think, for $29.95 if you want a copy. Or uh, you could also just jump on Kindle, and I'm sure you can buy it there on your device far cheaper if you want to save some money, or if you prefer reading on the iPad. Ebooks or tree books? Who prefers tree books? Yeah, I prefer them, but I also hate lugging them around. So I like the, um, what is it, the convenience of ebooks. Yes, anyway. So, John Mark Comer, he says this. He says, A rule of life has a schedule and a set of practices and relational rhythms that help us create space in our busy world for us to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did, and to live life to the full in his kingdom. It's really this idea. First we form our habits, and then our habits form us. First we form our habits, and then our habits form us. Creating a rule of life is all about curating an intentional set of rhythms in our life that habituate us towards the desired end. And here's the truth. Every single one of us in this room this morning already has a rule of life when it comes to the way we conduct ourselves and our spirituality. The question is, is it something that we've created intentionally or is it just something that's a byproduct of whatever? Uh, Here's another quote by Anon. Um, I don't know who he was, but he probably has more quotes than any other person out there. Um, He said, um, Anon said this, every Christian has a well-established pattern of living, whether it's intentionally developed, set of commitments, or an unstated set of values and practices, like praying before meals and going to church twice a month, But many of us aren't as deliberate with our spiritual development as we are with our time and our priority management at work, and our lives and relationships suffer as a result. So this idea of creating a rule of life is really about, we're so intentional with so many different areas of our life. As followers of Jesus, we can actually be equally intentional with the rhythms and routines we put in place as followers of the way. I think a really, really good metaphor that we can use to kind of think of this idea of a a rule of life is like a trellis. Um, And I've actually got a photo here of my office. I've introduced you to my office before, but uh, there's a few few plants in my office, okay? I like to think of it as the modern-day Eden. Uh, Now, you can't see them all. There's like more up here and over in the corner. There's a few more. At its peak, there was like just shy of 50 plants in my office. Um, at the moment, I did a quick count, there's 28. And uh, I don't know, Viv knows, because she walks past my office from time to time, but there's a nice little water feature here. Hey, hey everyone needs a water feature in their office. Just the, the tranquil sound of running water. I just need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> nah, it's not that bad. It is that bad. But um. You'll see here, we've got a little trellis in the corner of it. And uh, Griffin, do you want to bring up that other photo there? There's one particular plant I want to bring our attention to this morning. And it's this plant here, uh, heart-leafed philodendron. And uh, this little guy, 
he was actually hanging up in one of those macrame hangers that was uh, along the window. And I looked at it, and I was getting a bit out of control. I was like, oh, it doesn't really look good there. It's not bringing me, like, the Becky condo joy. I was like, I need to move it. And so I pulled it off the uh, uh, basket that was hanging. And I was actually quite surprised because on the outside, it looked really, really healthy. But when I looked at the pot, I realized that the weight and the gravity that had been pulling it down from that hanger had actually slowly started destroying the roots. In fact, it had snapped away from every single root that was holding it in the soil except for one. And so I was like, whew, okay, um, needs to be put in a new place. And so I repotted it and uh, I put it here along the trellis. This is like the rule of life. We all need a trellis for our soul. You know, our soul is it's like these plants. Give it the right environment. Give it the right nutrients. You know, give it the right care. It will grow and it will flourish. Leave it alone and it will become overrun with weeds, right? But here's the thing. Even when you look after it, sometimes we find ourselves going through life like last week, talking about the idea of not swapping burdens, uh, not stacking burdens, but swapping burdens. Our souls are kind of like this little vine where on the outside, we, we kind of look like everything's good and healthy, but we go through life and at times those little roots start to snap off. What's the solution? Well, one solution is a trellis. Something that can actually direct its growth. So that as it grows, it doesn't just grow out in some random direction, but it actually has something it can tether to, to grow up and towards. A rule of life is like this for you and I. It's like a trellis for our soul. We know that we don't want our souls, the garden of our soul, just to turn into chaos, but actually we want it to grow in the direction of Jesus. In John chapter 15, there's this whole section uh, where it talks about Jesus being the true vine. Uh, it talks about that He is the vine and that God the Father is the vine keeper. And if we go right down to verse 7, maybe, Griffin, uh, if it says this. Now, awesome. I'm going to read off here because I've got a different translation in my notes, but it says, this is Jesus speaking. Is this verse 7? Sweet. Cool. I'll read off here. Um, if you abide in me, Jesus speaking, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That's why we pray, by the way, for all of our friends that have got COVID, you know, all of our, you know, Edward and Shingai overseas. That's why we pray for people that are going through big life things where they're looking for new homes and new jobs, because you can't read the Gospels without being reminded that God is listening to every prayer and has instructed us to ask, to let Him know what we're going through, to believe that our answer isn't in the sum total of what we can achieve in our strength, but actually in our weakness, He is made strong. You know, I always say this, like, if, if you want a miracle, well, I'll pray for you. Sometimes I feel a little bit, like, nervous about the whole situation, because I have no power at all to do miracles. I'm just a human. But I do read a gospel about a God who is the miracle worker. And he's always said, pray, believe, ask. And so I'm like, hey, I'm just going to keep praying till the day I die. And sometimes we don't see things. I don't understand why. But 
We've been asked and requested by God to be a people of faith. They don't put our faith in the natural, but put our faith in Christ. And so that's why we pray. And he says this, he says, Abide in me, and whatever you wish, it will be done for you. But by this, my Father is glorified, that you would bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Don't you love that? That Jesus wants you to be fruitful. He wants your life to be full and brimming with health and wholeness and fruitfulness. Verse nine, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Here's the invitation. Abide in my love. Abide, reside, dwell, stay, immerse, be in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just if I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that my joy may be complete. Don't you love that God wants to put His joy in you? Isn't that amazing that God invites us to abide in Him, to dwell in Him, to be fruitful? That's this whole idea of a rule of life. It's actually understanding that in ourselves, we'll grow one way or grow the other. But when we attach ourselves to Jesus, He acts like the trellis. The rule of life acts like a trellis for our soul so that we don't have to grow in crazy, weird directions, wondering if we're figuring it out or heading where we should. But we know that actually, as long as we stay in the right environments and getting the right nutrients and nourishments for our soul, that actually all the energy that we're putting ourselves to is growing in the right direction. Abide in me. I've got another photo for you. Um, I've got a lot of plane stories. You guys know that. But I only have one helicopter story. Here's, um, have we got that photo, Griffin? Here we go. Um, I don't know if you can see that. Is there the one before that of me standing in front of it? <laughs> Look at that guy. Um, I don't even know how old he is. He kind of looks like me, eh? Okay, do you look at that and think, oh yeah, that looks just like Shannon? Or do you look at that and think, oh yeah, that's what it, because I look at that, I'm like, who is that kid? <laughs> I don't know how many years that must have been ago, but anyway, I uh, signed up for a helicopter lesson just because I was like going through my flight training at the time. I thought, well, it'd be fun to try and uh, fly a helicopter. And so this was the little Robinson R22 uh, that I flew. And uh, do you want to flick through to that third photo there, Griff? Yeah, so there we go. There's me up in the air. And so I've never been in a helicopter in my life before, ever. And this was a lesson. The whole um, point of it was to give me an opportunity to try and hover, um, which isn't actually that simple. It'd be nice if there was just a button that said hover, but it's not. It's a little bit more complex than that. There is a, uh, there's a few things going on. You've got three controls. The cyclic, which is just that stick that moves in 360 degrees. It goes all over the place. And so that kind of, what that does, you know, it, it tilts the helicopter like that. Uh, along the side, you've got the cyclic, which is kind of, it's like a throttle, um, but also as you pull it up, it changes the pitches, pitch of the blade. So that's responsible for your up and down movement. And then on your feet, you've got the rudder pedals, uh, and that's attached to the rotor on the back. And that's because um, the rotor creates yaw. If it didn't have that little one countering it on the back, the helicopter would just spin around and around in circles. So 
the one on the back is balancing it to keep the helicopter straight. So you've got feet to stop it from doing this, you've got your cyclic to do that, and then you've got another 360 degrees that can make it pretty much do anything. So. I thought I was doing pretty good at this. Uh, I was up there with the instructor and she gave me one control for a start. I was like, oh yeah, cool. Finding the feel of it and it was good. Then she'd give me a second one. I'm like, yeah, I could juggle two. But the minute she gave me all three controls, that helicopter, seriously, it just started to bank out of the sky. Uh, it was quite like nerve wracking. And all, um, all of a sudden she'd say, I've got control. And I thought, Thank God, <laughs> because I clearly don't. She'll bring it up straight, give me one control, good, two, three, bang, I've got control. Because here's what's going on. We know this. Like in my head, I, I can explain the physics of aerodynamics. I could bring a whiteboard in and I could draw diagrams. I can tell you how that thing flies. I could draw you a little you know, picture of the engine and what's going on it. You know, theoretically, I have all of the knowledge, but there's a huge difference between theoretical knowledge and experiential knowledge. And it's true. The reality is, I think the statistic is when it comes to hovering a helicopter, it takes 15 hours of practice before someone begins to build up the muscle memory required to keep it in a state of balanced equilibrium. And it's a similar kind of concept really for our spiritual lives. You know, we know this, we are saved by grace and grace alone. By faith in Christ, we are saved. But that does not mean that we will have every single thing instantly imputed into us so that in any situation, we just know what to do and how to live like Christ. We don't get that instantaneously. We only get that by practicing the way. You know, if someone came to me and said, all right, Shannon, I got a dream. I want to be just, I just want to be in the NBA. I want to be a famous basketball player. I'm like, cool, sweet, good dream. Um, first thing, I'd be like, okay, they're looking for advice. I'd be a really, really useless mentor if this was the advice I gave them. Here's what you need to do. Be tall. Cool, yeah. Uh, go down to Rebel Sports. Uh, get a singlet. Michael Jordan, he was 23, okay? So probably get the 23, it works better. Go down to a Sterling Sport, get yourself a nice pair of Air Jordans. And what you need to do is when the game starts, go onto the court and just shoot hoops like Stephen Curry. Yeah. That's terrible advice, isn't it? Imagine someone comes to me and they're like, hey Shannon, I got a dream. I wanna be, I wanna be a rock star. I'm like, don't we all, mate? Don't we all? He's like, how, how, how do you do it? I'm like, oh, it's easy. After church today, just go down to the rock shop. You'll find out it's closed, so go back tomorrow. <laughs> just go down the guitar aisle. All you need to do, buy yourself a Fender Stratocaster, grow an afro, and pick it up. All you have to do is just like shred like Jimi Hendrix or John Mayer. Terrible advice. Because you and I know this. We know the truth is that actually, whether it's Michael Jordan or Stephen Curry or Stephen Adams or Jimi Hendrix or John Mayer, these people are not masters of their art because one day they just decided to show up and be. 
but actually they are great at what they do because of their entire lifestyle. It's because of the rhythms and the routines and the practice and the countless amount of time immersed and actually practicing their way. So when they jump onto the court or when they jump onto the stage, it's not like, oh, they just have this magic moment where they become great. It's actually, no, because of their training for a short amount of time, they're able to operate in that way. We understand this in the natural, but the same principle does apply to our spiritual lives, to following Jesus. Um, here we go. Here's a quote uh, by Dallas, Dallas Willard, um, who was a, he's like a, he's dead now, but only recently, but he was like a, a theologian and a philosopher who wrote like extensively on this theme really of spiritual formation. But he says this, he says, yes, we are saved by grace and by it alone. And not because we deserve it. That is the basis of God's acceptance for us. But grace does not mean that sufficient strength and insight will be automatically infused into our being at the moment of need. Abundant evidence for this claim is available precisely in the experience of any Christian. We only have to look at the facts. A basket player who expects to excel in the game without adequate exercise of his body is no more ridiculous than a Christian who hopes to be able to act in the manner of Christ when put to the test without the appropriate exercise in godly living. When we look at the Gospels, when we look at who Jesus was and his time on earth, it's clear that this is a principle that Jesus understood. You know, sometimes, you know, when people are like, why did Jesus do all of the things that he did? If Jesus is God, why did he pray to himself, right? And some people say, oh, well, maybe it was because he was trying to set the perfect example for us because we needed a great example to follow. Yeah, maybe. That might be part of it. But maybe it's because even the Son of God Fully God, fully human, knew what it was to have to engage in practicing and engaging in his spirituality as part of his own preparation. And if Christ himself couldn't avoid that process, then who are we to think that we could be anything like Jesus without engaging and practicing in the ways of Jesus? And so over this theme, this, um, in the band, you guys can come up now, Lou, you can come up and join me, Ruben. As we embark on this theme of practicing the way, there's a couple of things I want to encourage us with. The first is this. There's a quote by uh, a UK pastor called Paul Scanlon. He said this, remember, we're designed to be spiritual, not religious. So important we remind ourselves of that. None of these practices are meant to be should-dos or ought-tos to create a rigid, formulaic way where we feel like if we just tick an extra couple of boxes on our to-do list, we're good. No, we're supposed to be spiritual. So we engage in these practices because they are the model that Christ gave us. As we embark on the theme of practicing the way, and as we explore the spiritual practices that we see Jesus engage in and endorse in the New Testament, let me encourage all of us to be thinking about how you can curate your own personal rule of life. As we look through the list of things, let me encourage you to be asking, 
How can you incorporate these practices to serve you and aid you like a trellis for your soul? John Mark Comer, here's a quote. He says, There's no right way to make a rule of life. Just as there's no official or orthodox rule of life that's been passed down over the millennia, there are, however, best practices. And we would be wise to incorporate them at some level into our lives, no matter our personality or stage of life. Things like studying the Scripture, prayer, Sabbath rest, weekly gatherings, regular rest. But there's no one size fits all. However you want to do it, you can make your rule simple. You can make your rule complex. You can do it by yourself or you can do it with a few friends. You can program it in a spreadsheet or you can draw on a canvas. I gave that handout really just as a simple guide so as we go out from this place, we can have this conversation in the front of our mind throughout the week. Put that somewhere where you'll see it to remind yourself of the conversation that we've had today. And just start thinking, what is my current rule of life? How intentional is it? How life-giving is it? What would it look like for me in my life to make some changes and some tweaks so I could have a strong trellis for my soul that is helping me be with Jesus, be like Jesus, and live like Jesus did? Here's my real advice with it. Lean into your creativity. It's not a have to. It should be a life-giving exercise. (laughs) Don't think rules. Think principles. Don't compare your spiritual walk with anyone else. It doesn't really help. (laughs) Anyone who looks like they're perfect and has it all together is probably closer to the vine that looks perfect but's hanging on by one root, right? Don't worry about other people's root systems, just focus on the health of your own. Start from where you are and go from there. Start small, be realistic, be faithful. Since Jesus Himself engaged in these practices, they come with an air of authenticity. And so it's from this vantage point that we seek to explore and experiment and engage in them so that through this process, we would know what it is to discover a clear path and concrete steps to walk in the ways of Jesus. That end. Why don't you stand to your feet? What I'm gonna do for us this morning is I'll just close this moment by praying. Then I'm gonna pass over to Reuben and to Lou, who are gonna lead us in the song, Then Sings My Soul. Worship, singing, one great practice that we can engage in our lives that serves as a trellis for our soul. And then after that, Viv's gonna come up and close the service. Holy Spirit, we thank You for this moment that we've been able to share together. We thank You that in this moment, You are present. And God, we don't just wanna be a group of people where Christianity is just the the religion we chose and church is just something we do that we tag onto our already busy lives. But God, we're on a journey where we genuinely want to be growing in You. God, we're wanting our hearts to be shaped and transformed into Your likeness so that the output of our world would not be something that just reflects the secular world 
But God, the output of our life will be something that is a beautiful fragrance to heaven, something that really brings and widens that river of life that flows, flows from your throne room. God, I pray that as we explore this theme of practicing the way that You would help guide us. Holy Spirit, You would just whisper to the core of our beings as um, we're going through the moments of life and revealing to us what are the things that we can add to our rule of life. Help us curate a trellis for our soul so that we would know what it is to be rooted in fertile and nutrient-rich soil and to be able to grow in two directions, to grow deep, we don't wanna be superficial followers of Jesus. We want our root systems to dig down deep into the very core of who you are and what you're about. And God, also, we know that when that happens, we would know what it is to grow up and to be fruitful, mindful of where it says in the Scripture, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed the smallest seed in the garden and yet it grows to be a mighty tree that even the birds come and perch in its branches. I thank You in the same way that in the seed, there's the DNA of the tree in every single one of us, there's the seed of Christ in the kingdom way. And then as we go through this process, we would know what it is to grow, to be those mighty trees that produce fruit, that produce forests, that even the birds can come and plant and perch in our branches. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info or visit our website.